Welcome to the Smell Yeah podcast. I'm your host, Irene Plax. Whether your sense of smell is unusually strong or you're the complete opposite, this podcast is for you. Let's get into it. Smell yeah. You smell that? It's episode two, the link between taste and smell. In part two, we'll hear from Chef Sade So. I met her at a midnight beach trip where we were two of four ladies present with the same birthday. How often does that happen? More importantly, I got to taste her food, and she joins us to talk about the smells and tastes of Senegalese cuisine. She will host a tasting event for the launch of Sautéed Kitchen in Atlanta this June. Plus, hot tips on how to cut onions without crying. All right. Sade. Sautéed is a catering company, right? Yes, a catering company. Um, I initially started to do like pop-ups and, uh, you know, pop-ups and private private events for the most part. Uh, the goal is to get the food truck. And then when you have the truck, you'll be based between New York, Baltimore, and Atlanta? Yeah, I think that um, I'm going, I want to start it in, in Atlanta. That's where the truck will be. It's better as far as uh, the weather and the concept that I want. Um, it gives me a more year round thing because I want it to be open. Um, and I want it to be able to have it uh, on a lot on certain days. So pretty much like a mobile restaurant that would have some days where it will just be parked and people will come come to it. That's amazing. So while you're in New York, you're doing like private dinners, catering events, pop-ups, etc. Yes. Yes, mostly. Okay. Yeah, mostly and definitely, private events. Cool. Your food is also how I know you because I've tasted it and it is delicious. Well, thank you. Thank you. That, yeah. was, a, that was a really good uh, outing we had and it gave everyone the opportunity to kind of just connect. So that was great. Totally. That was actually one of my favorite nights of the year. I like didn't even expect to go on. I called Armani and she was like, we're about to roll to the beach. You want to come? So was- yeah. It's, it's a good group. Everyone is very like just creative and find ways to do those things that just get us all involved in the same, you know, in all of our passions. So that's just always awesome to have. Totally. Totally. So did you always know you wanted to cook? I, I kind of did. Uh, this was something I grew up with, uh, in my upbringing. Uh, I did a lot of it. My mom was always in the kitchen. She loved it. Um, she's always experimented with things and in a weird way, that was kind of my punishment. So I didn't get grounded for things. I was to help in the kitchen and, it was just like second nature. So weirdly, years later, after you pursue other things that you think that you want to do, you realize you have something there that you actually are excited about, you know? Truly. Did you grow up in, where did you grow up? I grew up in Senegal. I actually, I was born here, but then I was raised in Senegal um, by my aunt. And, you know, that's whose mom and she kind of, uh, was into that, like just cooking and and experimenting with different things. We also traveled a lot. And part of the travel and the experience in the travel is food and um, the market cultures everywhere we went. So everywhere she went, I had to go. <laughs> and I just kind of developed this 
while I was <laughs> while I was just like going around with her and I didn't even know it until more in my more recent years where things start to come together. So I start to do that for for you know for most of the friends and families. I was always the one cooking and I was like, wait a minute. Like, why am I not doing this? This is what I enjoy doing anyways. You're growing up, you're going to markets around with your aunts in Senegal. Were you in Dakar? Were you like in the country? The yeah. Aunts? No, mainly Dakar. So uh, our our family is mostly in Dakar, uh, but we traveled like, you know, we have family like a couple hours out here and there. But essentially the, the cuisine and all that stuff is, you know, it's the same that far out. Uh, I also have family in Ivory Coast who used to come visit, and we have a lot of influence from that as well. Like, there's a lot of dishes that you know they make a certain way, and when they come visit, they 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 either usually they come with like the dish made because it's like some of these like huge pots that they make for like the whole family, and it's just like that kind of inspiration, like you know, just fusion of different things. I think. Um, in Senegal, we have uh, we have enough of a mix with the just all the countries on the on the west coast, uh, our west coast. So you will find a lot of similar kind of ingredients and dishes and things like that, like stuff that are staple to us, like palm oil and things like that that you you don't really see used here, but um, we use a lot of that. amazing. And I'm sure when you were growing up, going to markets, that was a very fragrant experience, right? Yes, it really is. And um, I feel like it develops your, it develops the sense of smell a lot um, going to a, an actual market. So as we're not talking about like, you know, the supermarkets where everything is just like sealed and, you know, wrapped and you don't have, you don't, you don't shop. I feel like here you don't shop with your sense of smell. You shop with just, you shop visually, which is a big difference. Um, back home, you shop with your, your nose, like, you know, you take the tomato, you smell it, you know, you know, when something like smells right. So it's just, it's, it's just a very interesting thing. And it's, I, um, most of the countries, some, well, most of the countries I've, I've gone to markets, like real markets and dealt with the, just the, the vendors. That's how, that's how you operate. When we went to Mexico, that's what it was. It's like this, I enjoyed that experience. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, and that's such a good point that we're shopping visually here. No, it's a lot to be said about the way we, you know, the kind of uh, ingredients we have as well. You know, everything is not always like natural or organic. And that does make a difference as far as the smell. Um, because that that plays a huge part in a dish. Like um, your tomatoes, tomatoes that you get in March are not going to be the same as tomatoes that you get in October. So for your dish to taste the same way consistently, you have to develop that sense. So maybe in March, you only need one tomato, which is really has a strong taste. And in October, you might need two of different kinds of tomatoes just because the smell and the taste flavor is different. And it's so hard to explain. Um, I feel a little crazy talking about that in that sense, but I figured this is a great, this is a great platform, right? Because initially you eat with your totally. um, you eat you eat with your nose first. You smell you smell the fragrance and you eat with your nose first. Then you see it and then after you eat with your mouth last. So smell is very important. You were talking earlier about staple dishes. Do you want to say some more yeah. about that? 
Yeah, so we have, um, as far as Senegal goes, uh, we're on the coast. So a lot of our industry is the fishing industry uh, for the most part. So we have a lot of great seafood dishes. Um, there's also a lot of export that happens. Fish is a big thing. It's a staple. It's one of, uh, it goes in our favorite dish and our national dish, which is actually chebujin. Uh, I guess known elsewhere as jollof rice, um, but um, it's it is like a tomato-based rice, um, and it's cooked in it's like a fish stew initially. Then you 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 remove all the veggies and the fish, and then you cook the the white rice, the 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 plain rice in into that uh, broth that you made, and with the tomato. So it gives it this like rich kind of orangey reddish color from the tomato. And then after you top it back with all the fish and all the fixings, that's most mostly how we do a lot of dishes. Like you, you kind of create a broth with uh, your vegetables and whatever meat you choose or fish, and then you have the rice in it to kind of um, absorb the flavor. So I hear this perennial argument between people from West African countries about jollof rice and whose is the best. And yeah. is there anything you want to talk to us about on that tip? Well, it's, you know, that's ongoing banter and battle. Um, as a Senegalese person, I'm just going to say ours is the original. <laughs> and we don't, because it's the original, we don't call it Jollof rice because Jollof is essentially the kingdom, like the old kingdom, if you look at the old maps. So Jollof is the, the, the old kingdom where this kind of dish uh, came from. So... That's now Senegal. So we don't need to call it Jollof. <laughs> so that's why when Nigeria and Ghana and everybody else out there, they have to refer to it as Jollof. But it comes from us. But um, and then there are some it's also like we have variations of it. Um, the different the different ways that they cook it, like it essentially is from the same base ingredients. The rice is like cooked in like um some sort of tomato base. But um, they taste different, you know, from country to country, you have each country have their own influences. So, you know, that happens. So I'm going to say that it's not necessarily, I know it's a banter, but it's not necessarily an argument of which one is best. It just depends what your taste buds are and what do you feel for? And some, some people make it spicier. Some people add like, you know, veggies and things like that in it. It's just kind of, uh, from country to country, you, you you get a little fusion going. I'll call it that. Is there like a base of aromatics in Senegalese cooking? Yes. So just like, um, for example, Louisiana, you have the Holy Trinity, right? You have your onions, bell peppers, right? Um, you have that. The Haitians have a piece, which is essentially the same with like more uh, colored peppers. We have what we call Roth. Roth is... Um, it's a mix, it's, it's a mix of, uh, peppers, onions, garlic, uh, black pepper, and it's a lot of, uh, parsley, like the curly parsley. And usually it's spicy. And what we do is, uh, we use that as a base for cooking. And we also use that to like, uh, stuff fish and, and chicken. So it gives flavors. We just kind of inject the flavor into the meat. And it's just, that that's, that's something, it has a very distinct smell, I guess, because of the parsley and the amount. 
And you would, you would really get that once you, once someone starts, once you're in a Senegalese household, <laughs> you know, when it's cooking, there is that. And there is, um, we have like a dried fermented fish, fermented fish and fermented conch. And you just take a little piece because it has a really strong taste. And it's talking about quiet taste. That's really an acquired taste. But it makes a, such a difference in the meal in general. Like you can smell that and you know that you're getting you're getting a Senegalese dish for sure. You may not know what yet, but that and the combination of like the garlic and whatever you start up the, that broth um, mixture, you can already smell that you're about to have a Senegalese dish. And then from there, we just build whether, whatever the dish is, if it's like a fish dish or whatever. But yeah, that's an, that's an important start. It's so, I think fermented foods are so interesting because they s- can smell really funky. And right. it's like a, like when you just smell it on its own, there's a little element of like, yeah. it's just, it's yeah. like a little much. It's so difficult to explain because like if you, if I was to just present the little peas to you to smell, you'd be like, absolutely not. I will not be consuming this. But when it's missing from a dish, it's like hmm, something is missing. I'm 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 missing this like this one particular flavor. My sister, my sister, for example, she always says that she when I come in, she asks me to cook like traditional dishes because she loves it. And when I start cooking with that, because it's hard to get around here, so I usually get it when I go back home or when I find a nice international market. So when I when I start with that, like kind of like the holy trinity with that, because you put that in the oil as well. When she walks in, she always says, oh, it smells like Senegal here. You know, like it's that smell when you walk in the house and you're like, it smells like home. It's not it's not it's not a bad smell, but it smells like, OK, this food is about to be right. <laughs> so I got you. I often think of like anchovy or like fermented smells as kind of being like right. the base in music. Like you hear it on its own and you're kind of like, mm, OK, but you, it pulls everything together. Yeah. And yeah, that's why it's, it's good that you mentioned anchovies because a lot of people have feelings about that. And a lot of people eat stuff that has anchovies and have no idea until you remove that. And it's like there is a little taste. There's a little kick that's missing. When you're serving food to people, is there anything that you do to help that smell really like be the first thing they experience? That part is tricky because it depends on really the way your house is is set up. So here, what I realized is like, we have a lot of like open, um, open plan, like kitchens. And you don't have a choice. Your, your guests are going to get that smell experience from beginning to end. Um, sometimes, depending on the dishes, like when you make a dish, like, for example, pasta, just making the pasta sauce. And you build, you start with your garlic and stuff. You, people can smell every step of the way. When you're doing a Senegalese dish, um, it's a bit different. Like I said, when I talk about the fermented fish, for example, I don't think that um, it, it's, it's such a strong smell that um, when you start cooking it, you don't want to you don't want to turn off people before before the dish is complete. So the way we do what we have back home, actually, we have like inside indoor and outdoor kitchens for that purpose 
So your house doesn't have, you start, you, you start everything up as on the, in the outdoor kitchen and, but because the weather permits it as well. So that's the difference. So you don't have the strong smell in your apartment, but then as the dish is cooking, then you can leave it to simmer inside and then people get that fragrance. You know what I mean? Are there any traditions around the actual dining experience that? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we like communal uh, bowl, and which is awesome. Um, the the serving in one platter, uh, it's, it's, it's a symbolic thing. Uh, I think most African countries, they do that. And in Senegal, for example, it's, uh, it adds... It adds different dimensions. First of all, um, the plating is always great because it's always decorated. Your dish is plated, decorated, and so it appeals to you once you put it down in front of people. Secondly, the communal dish helps the guests be comfortable with however amount of food they will consume. So there is no like limit or saying, oh, can I have more or not? So that's the point of having that. So everyone is sitting in, in, in one plate and we'll just replenish. And you don't have to see, you don't have to be conscious about uh, how much you're eating and you can be comfortable as a guest. Like that's one of the, that that's one of the main reasons for that as well. Is there any etiquette around sharing out of a communal dish? Yes, there's lots of little etiquettes. There is a, uh, so you have, depending on where you are and how comfortable you are culturally, of course, we have, we eat with our hands um, in, in, in some, you know, in, in some instances. And the reason, or usually around the bowl, there'd be one person who would at least eat with their hands. That allows for that person to be able to cut meat if there is meat to be cut for people. Um, that's easier with your hand. Um, there's also the etiquette, of course, you eat only in front of you. You don't go digging <laughs> on in people's spot. And there is, there is like a way to do things because Senegal is like mostly Muslim culture. Um, it's a big thing about your right hand versus your left hand. You use your right hand to eat and salute people. And your left hand is pretty much for, um, you know, you don't use your left hand really. For, for those things. So if you eat with your if you're if you're left handed and you eat with your left hand, it will it will be deemed disrespectful. But um so Got yeah, you. so mostly you will eat yeah, and if you're eating with your hand, you would never put your left hand in a bowl. People will get up. <laughs> um, oh wow. So if yeah, people will actually get up because honestly the thing is your left hand you only use to wipe yourself in the bathroom. That's it. <laughs> That's the hand you use. The right hand, that's all other stuff, food related and then saluting related. And that's it. That's how they keep it. They don't care if you're lefty, righty, whatever. So if you're left-handed, you just train yourself. You get trained. Yeah. Or like, I mean, it's, it's a little more progressive now. So as long as you can eat with your spoon, not to say that one or two people, if it's in Senegal here, you know, Culture, culture evolves eventually and, you know, people kind of get, um, get more open to different things and understanding. But um, I would say back home, if you're to go to Senegal, that's a big thing. So at the very least, when you get your spoon and you're around a bowl with people and you eat with your right hand, um, if you have your own plate, then you're fine to do whatever you want. 
But uh, yeah, the communal bowl is like, okay, there is a certain level of mutual respect of uh, when it comes to that. Yeah. Got you. Do you think that eating out of a communal bowl teaches mutual respect around food in a different way? I think it does. Um, it builds a lot of different things. Um, it, I mean, it, it's a lot of, it, I think it's more intimate, so it creates more conversation around the plate. Um, I don't know. I think that it's just kind of, this is, it's a moment to bring people closer in a way. And for some reason, I don't know if it's, I don't know why, but it, the food seemed more enjoyable when you're not like looking at your plate and figuring out if you ate too much or you, you didn't eat enough, you ate too much. It's like, it's this freedom that you have um, with it. And it, it, it works in the experience. It's hard to explain in a sense, but it just works overall. When you have the food experience is really amazing because you have all these different layers. And then when they come together, it's just, uh, it just works. You know, it has to come together for it to work. Like you said, the smell, the taste, and then the visual, and then seeing everyone enjoying themselves, like in the same, at the same level as you, for in a sense. Um, that does something, you know. If you've looked um, on on the Instagram in my last trip, because I just came back, I've been posting those, and it's just like being back home. You, um, I haven't done that in a while because you know sometimes you just you just by yourself, so it's not the same. It's still like a plate, and you eating at your plate by yourself, or even two people, but just sitting down with everyone, and then the banter that goes around and and all the stuff. Cause even after the food is done, you're still sitting and enjoying yourself. I guess this is, uh, the Italian culture has something similar sitting around the table and, and enjoying the meal. You know, it makes the meal so much more enjoyable. It's so funny that, um, back home, what we used to do is like, there'll be a person who comes like with, with the bowl. One bowl is just a bowl with like regular, just water. The other one will have like, uh, water with soap. And then before you eat, they'll come around and then you wash your hands and then wash, rinse, and then before you start. And then that same person will bring the bowl, another bowl back around at the end of the meal so that you make sure that your hands are washed and then you're okay. And then you're still, you know, you sit down and then you can have your beverage because we culturally, we don't also drink during, during the meal. Uh, it's a little Do bit you know like why that how... Is? I'm I'm not sure honestly, um, but I think that it goes with with uh, the respect and not like getting up from the table before everyone is done or excusing yourself. I mean, if you must have water, of course you must have water, and there there's always like a, the platter, the tray with the drinks is always there. But for some reason, it's like everyone just sits and then you eat. And then even when you're finished eating, like you don't necessarily get up, like you take your spoon, you never leave your spoon inside of the bowl, your spoon, you'll put out of the bowl, and then you will still sit and continue to engage in conversation until everyone is done. And then someone comes and takes, takes the bowl away. And then you replace it with dessert or whatever. And we do that with fruits for the dessert. Then you take, you take this course off and then come and clean out and put it, put the next course on. And then people just sit and then continue to just engage with each other. It's beautiful. What are some of the fruits that would typically be on your plate? Um, we are big on mango. 
Um, mostly mangoes, any different kind, because most 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 of us had like mango trees right in our yard, so that's the easiest thing to get. Um, what is the other fruit? Um, I don't know what's it called here. I think it's soursop. I think soursop mm -hmm. here. And yeah, that's a big one too. Like we make like this thick juice out of it. Like it's like milk based, but that's very filling. Um, everything else is like, it's not as popular because honestly it's, it's more expensive. Like grapes and things like that are more, more expensive things and not as accessible. So uh, those are the fruits that we mostly serve um, to people when they come in. And we have amazing mangoes. So mangoes enough. <laughs> Is that a fragrant experience that you associate with being home? Yes, because uh, part of buying them also, like the smell on them, it's like you can smell it. Like you can be vendors away and then be like, okay, I can smell the mangoes. And you just start looking around and then you have that, the skin of the mangoes have a specific taste or like smell at home. And we, we eat this, you just kind of, we don't even peel the mango uh, because it's, you know, it doesn't have all the pesticides and things. You just wash it, slice it, and you eat it with the skin. All the nutrients are actually in the skin of the mango. And here um, I'm not as, I guess it, it, it tastes a little bitter and the smell is not the same because you smell everything else. But <laughs> the actual fragrance of the mango. So it's a strange thing, but I'm getting used to it. Can you give us your favorite and your least favorite smells of the kitchen? Roasting garlic is my favorite. I don't care if it's this up in oil or um, on um, on the grill. I actually love that that char charring smell uh, of, of uh, vegetables and garlic. That's my absolute favorite. Um, least favorite. I, I'm not, I don't know that I have exactly, well, maybe like that fermented fish when you first start cooking, but even that is not like, it's not a dislike. It's just, it's just a different taste. You know, I don't have, I feel like in the kitchen, once you're getting started and like cooking something, everything is fair game. Everything is like, you know, everything smells good. Like it smells like it makes sense. I would say not smells good, but it smells like it makes sense. Like it fits into the dish. What about when you come back from being in Senegal, are there any smells like in the U S that really like stick out to you? I love the smell of basil and rosemary. And here, like some of these herbs, you really get to get that, like, like that smell, like just to have the fresh plant itself in the kitchen. I love that because when you come in, it just is, it motivates me. <laughs> like I come in, I smell the rosemary and I'm, I'm inspired. <laughs> yeah. Those are like the herbs, um, cultivating herbs at home. I love that. And I think that we have, we have that going for us here. Okay. A question from our listeners is how can I make my rice more fragrant? There's different things you can do a little, a little dash of turmeric or, um, cumin goes a long way. Um, cardamom seeds in the water as you're boiling the rice, that's fragrant. Um, a mix of all three is amazing. <laughs> and, um, and just also always like a, a dab of salt, of course, to just bring up the flavors. Beautiful. For the future, is there anything that you would like to see happen in the field of scent? Scent is evolving because there are with 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 the different options 
and um, the different mix of people. We are blending and creating new scents and it, people are less sensitive to like certain scents. So I think that in that sense, the world is evolving in that sense. So, so um, that we will get there. That's what I see in the future. I'm just interested to be, continue to be part of it. You know, I'm just here learning like everyone else. We'll all find out together, but uh, it's interesting how everything is coming together and it looks like um, the extremes are coming together and we're, building new new senses of, of smell and people are more accepting of trying different things, which is, which is a great thing. Amazing. Um, do you have any tips, any smell related tips for the people? Something I would like to share about, like, for example, people always ask me this about onions um, and cutting onions and the plight of cutting onions and all the crying that goes with it. Um, we have different little tricks. I don't know what works for who, but whoever needs to hear this, like my mom cuts onions with um, a match. If you if you have like if you still have matches, like a, you light a match and then when it goes off, you know you have that that smell, and you just have it in your have the match in your mouth as you're cutting the onions because one offsets the other apparently. Strange things. Wow. So you. Light a match, you let it go out, and while it's smoking, and, you put yeah. While it's smoking, you could just yeah. Well, not not the smoking end, but like you know, like the right, like a wooden part. You could yeah. So because you have it is while your hands are occupied, so you could just have it like a toothpick, and then that offset the smell, the the I guess the watery eye thing that you will have. You know, there's a lot of little things I learned going back home and I'm like, this is very um, creative, like the things that happen and how they find ways around things. And I'm like, OK, well, here you you always think of, OK, what machine can I buy to make this go away? So you have the chopper, you have this. But I just I can sit there and chop vegetables all day. It's like such a stress relief. It's just that process smelling the ingredients like so you chop the onions, you chop the peppers, you you chop the garlic and you put them together and then you get that smell. And you know what, for every dish that you cook, you know what that combo is supposed to smell like. And you know when it's missing something. All right. You want to let us know where we can find you? So I have sauté.com. That's my website. And the Instagram handle is the same. So it's the Facebook handle. So sauté, S-O-H-T-E-Y-D. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you very much, Irene. Thanks for listening. Drop a question for our Smell Mail segment on Instagram at Smell yeah Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Podbean.